Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bienvenidos, señores y señores, to another episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast. This episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast has been brought to you by Bet Online. The only people that don't get time off this year are pro athletes and the people at Bet Online. With the NFL bowl season and NBA in full swing over the holidays, Ben Online isn't taking a second off. So make sure you're up to all the second odds, news, and information out there. Ben Online has all the sports wagering info available on your desktop or mobile access. Head there today and get into the action. Remember to use your promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Ben Online where the game starts. So this is going to be our year-end uh, episode, our year-end review, so to speak, as we look back at the year of 2023, both for the Dodgers on the field, off the field, and how the show itself uh, went for us. So joining me on the show is La Princesa de Picolandia, Alicia Del Valle, Alonzo, Canelo, or Cody Snavely, and Babyface. So, Babyface, since you're the producer and you run this thing, you're the fearless leader, I want to start with you. Looking back at 2023, how do you think things went? Uh, I want to start first. What What are you most proud of or maybe what is the happiest memory of 2023 for you? So I guess we can break this down. Like uh, For the show, um, I'm extremely proud of what this show has done and continued this year. You know, we left off last year. We set some goals for this year, what we wanted to do. Um, and I think if I recall correctly, last year when we did this show, one of the things that we mentioned was like, hey, we would love to have Fernando Valenzuela on this podcast, right? I think that's one of the things we all, and we all kind of saw it as like, that's like reaching like really way up there, right? Mm -hmm. and, and we ended up having him a couple months later to actually start the third year of this podcast. So I think that was huge for us um, just to be able to sit down with him and talk to him and just, you know, we know his story, right? We know what he's all about and just the type of person he is, a humble guy that he is, and just to sit there with him and spend some time with him, you know, that is something that very special for uh, for me and I know for you guys as well. So that was a definite highlight for us and just seeing how this show has grown over the past, you know, couple months, um, I think we've been hitting, you know, you know, if you're looking at numbers, like, which I do, I, I'll look at those at those numbers, right? You know, the main important thing the, is to have a quality product, but also I want to make sure that the show, show is growing, and it has been, and we got nominated as Best Baseball Podcast this, this year, so that's something that we're definitely proud of as well, and we want to continue to, you know, be, in, be an entertaining podcast, giving information, and then letting our listeners, you know, enjoy what we do like you have fun with them when we're on live with them and giving them information that they find useful so that's been probably the biggest highlight for me this season um i'm going to be honest with you when we put it out there about the valenzuela thing i didn't think it was going to happen it was me allowing myself to be a full dreamer and be like sure we're going to make it happen i want to go to the most positive person on this show la princesa de picolandia princesa <laughs> Did you think when we said we want to have Fernando Valenzuela on the show that not only would he be on the show, but he would be talking about retiring his number, which is something we have been talking about this show since I think the show started? Um, I did. Well, I can't say I did believe it. I really, really wanted it to happen. And um I had met Fernando, you know, numerous times at various community events and, and he's very humble. And 
I guess I could see a path, but I guess if you're asking me, did I believe it when Roger put it out there? I guess I didn't, if I'm being honest. <laughs> but I'm also, I wasn't here for year one and part of year two. And I feel like for me, um, it took a while for me to adjust and really feel like part of the Bleed Loss podcast. So I guess I wanted to manifest it. I wanted to be a dreamer like you, Juan. And I'm not sure if I'm the most positive. I guess I'm just um, maybe the most naive. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that that was... Um, did I answer your question? Am, am I going to yeah. know? No, no, you, you you did. So I'm I'm just curious, looking back at 2023, whether it was something on the show or maybe in the Dodgers season, like what was the moment that stuck that stuck with you the most, or the moment that maybe you were most happy or most proud of? Well, definitely that weekend of retiring Fernando's number is in, in just in terms of being at the stadium. That was. You know, I mean, I cried. I don't, I'm not afraid to admit it. Yeah, I said it. Um, and I was um, very fortunate and enough and very humble to be there for every game that weekend. And, you know, there's a lot of haters. There's a lot of, um, even within the Dodger community, I mean, you, the Prince of Darkness, that title, that was one weekend where I feel like everybody rallied. Everybody was on the same page. You know, everybody yeah. was like, we're here for Fernando. We're here to see an icon that goes beyond baseball be recognized. And I feel like that's what Fernando believed in us in the podcast is that we had his back. Right, Roger? Like, I felt like Fernando really thought that we had something to do with his number being retired. So I'm taking that to the grave, baby. I'm I'm rolling. No, that's with that's the truth, right? That that's the truth. He he knows we have something to do, right? You, you know it. So we're yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take credit for that one. Yeah, so that weekend was special. Uh one of the other things for me for 2023 that I thought was fantastic and I, I feel we really lucked out was Cody Snavely uh joined the show as a, a regular contributor and uh we we unbeknownst to him whether he wanted it or not we baptized him canelo so now it cracks me up when i see the sangrones call him canelo or they reach <laughs> out to him on twitter and they're like canelo so same question to you uh canelo but I, I i have to ask you did you know what you were getting yourself into when roger asked you to come on and, and be a contributor on the podcast yeah you know i've listened to it before i joined i mean i'm coming up think it was either in february or march it was around spring training when i made my first appearance on here and then i joined dodgers beat as well um to contribute on their website um but yeah i kind of knew the vibe that we had on this on this uh this podcast and it's different than other dodgers podcasts because you're not hearing what you want to hear you're hearing genuine opinions from a variety of different fans um from a, a variety of players i mean this is the only podcast that, at least in my opinion that you can see a relatively rotating door between celebrities owners players and we're getting their inputs um about their day-to-day -day lives about the dodgers about you know tacos like everything you know i take that to heart you know um it, it was extremely uh, i'm extremely thankful to have the opportunity to come on here talk baseball talk dodgers kind of grow my reach of my writing and everything as well. So it, it's definitely been a great experience as well. Uh, Alonzo, I want to go to you because I know you, you've had a tough year, man. So I don't know how much you want to share. Um, but I even if maybe it's not happy or proud, uh, how was your year? I mean, I'll be honest, overall, it can always be worse. I mean, that's kind of the, the mindset I always go into with anything. Um, you know, I learned that pretty young, um, that it can always be worse, right? But, I mean, obviously, I had to take some time away this year to deal with some family stuff. And, uh, you know, I dabbled in here here and there. And, and truthfully, this year, although, I, I, you know, I was kind of absent, for lack of a better term, obviously, I was still involved. You know, you you came out to uh, 
to see me at work when we when I was in town yeah. uh, when USC played. Um, we got to do the show in January from the uh, I think you called it the DTLA Studios at the Intercontinental. That's uh, right. We uh, you know we 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 still like it was still overall a good year. You know, like as I sit back and kind of like reflect. Um, I mean, in it, I I'll be honest with you. In a million years, I never thought that we'd have Fernando Valenzuela on here. I, I never. I mean, I jokingly always said, "Not a chance. No chance he's going to do it." And and in the and it, I mean, and I'll be honest too. It happened really quickly, right? Yeah. Like I, I was still, even as we we got to Dodger Stadium, uh, me and and my buddy Aaron, who filmed everything for us, even Aaron was like wait, is this really happening? Like, is he really showing up? And I'm like, dude, I'm not going to believe it until he walks in. <laughs> and, uh, and then there he walked in like everyone's Theo in a leather jacket and a nice creased dress shirt. Um, you know, couldn't have been nicer. Couldn't have, you know, and, and, and similar to Alicia, I'd met him in passing before, you know, with baseball stuff. And the thing I remembered was he was always a very humble, very soft-spoken dude. Doesn't like to be the center of attention doesn't like you know the spotlight on him you know he just kind of wants to go about his business and, and not be necessarily bothered and for him to open up as much as he did with us i was actually surprised um but that goes for a lot of guests right like this year obviously i didn't get to talk to a bunch of people but like one my for me one of my favorite guests this year was dave roberts even though it was only like 15 minutes or whatever um you know dave dave really was candid with us he was really um what's the word I'm looking for? He, he wasn't like, it, it wasn't a facade, right? Like it wasn't like a lot of people think that he's just the robot and he just follows the analytics playbook and all this and that. And if you know anything about Dave, that's not, that's not him at all. Um, but even then just, you know, from afar seeing that we had like Victor Gonzalez on uh, Ron say, um, you know, Mark, Mark DeRosa Dero, we had him on, um, you know, other people, you know, throughout the year that, and just kind of random people too, even like not to say random, but like guys that you wouldn't expect to see, like on a Dodger centric podcast, like Jared Carroll's baby Carroll's, uh, was on. And I mean, he's in his own right, a good player. Um, you know, uh, uh, Steve Garvey, who, uh, is in Juan Ramirez's fight club was in the show. So, you know, <laughs> you know, there, we, there was, there was a, a lot of unexpected, but then also current players, right. The Miguel Rojas, the Ryan Pepios of the world that uh that joined and for me the one that i was i had a little bit of fomo uh when you guys talked to them was uh was genie genie bus like i was kind of a little ass hurt that uh that i didn't get the call for that one but whatever i digress um you know but i mean it was overall and, and for me the biggest accomplishment you know when i mean do you remember juan when we started this i mean yeah i still don't think we know what the hell we're doing i mean i i, I will stand on that hill um you know because at the end of the day it's you know you're a fan you know i i i I'm a fan as well, but also I worked in the game and worked in still work in sports. And Roger's a fan, and Alicia's you know the 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 positive fan out of all of us. Like she she kind of reels us in, no matter how pissed off we are about whatever, um, you know. And, and having the additions of like Cody and Amy and the boatman who apparently needs to have his own merch line, uh, <laughs> yeah. but having those contributors like again, like as I've been away has been cool to see but also i mean I, in a million years i didn't expect us to end up in kind of in the in the same echelon of those podcasts right that were that were up up with uh, the best baseball podcast right i mean the joel sherman i'm sorry the show with joel sherman and john Heyman is that's not just like a scrub podcast right like that's that's a podcast that's that's a show and so to be kind of in the same breath as like those sorts of shows that that either means we're doing something right or or we really still don't know what the hell we're doing. Absolutely. I mean, when you look back at some of the guests that we have, and, and like Canelo said, it was kind of an eclectic group of, of guests that we had on this show. We had a little bit of everything. One of the ones that I really enjoyed talking to uh, was El Dragón, Memo Torres. I was... Uh, I really enjoy talking to him because he came on thinking he had to like impress me with his Dodger knowledge. And we hardly talked Dodgers. We talked about everything. And the fact that this dude has his own landscaping business, it basically has created an empire that runs itself. And he, it allows him to do the investigative journalism that we need in our communities. I mean, this is a guy who won an award for Ruben Salazar, the Ruben Salazar award for, for journalism and I, I really enjoyed 
talking to him and he's with LA Taco and I saw him when LA Taco had their taco festival and it was really it was really nice catching up with him. Uh Dave Stewart was another dude that I was intimidated talking to him and I and I, I think I shared this with Babyface. I uh, you know, if you see Dave Stewart on the mound when he was playing, he was an intense dude. And when he came on the show, and he started talking about Bobby Castillo or how he referred to him as Bobble. And Bobby Castillo was, in my opinion, he's the first Mexican-American for the Dodgers. I mean, Bobby Castillo was the guy who taught Fernando Valenzuela the screwball. To me, yeah, he may not have the numbers to be a Hall of Famer, but I, I love Bobby Castillo. And to hear Dave Stewart talk about him and share stories about how Bobby Castillo used to drive him around East L.A., showing him around L.A. Because Dave Stewart was an Oakland guy. I, I, I love hearing those stories. So getting an opportunity to talk to these people. Mitch Poole, uh, who runs the Visitors Clubhouse at Dodger Stadium. That guy, to me, I still say is the real hero, is the reason why Valenzuela's jersey is retired. Because if Mitch Poole didn't do what he did in refusing to give out the number, I, who knows? They may, they would have never have retired that number, in my opinion. So, I and I see him every once in a while at Dodger Stadium, and he's very very kind to me. To me, so uh, Mitch Poole was one that stood out. Um, the last two that stood out to me, um, Benji Gill, and this was right after uh, the World Baseball Classic. And look, I'll be honest with you too, guys. I did not think Mexico was going to go as far as it did. And for it to be on the verge of beating Japan, uh, and, and it, it just it was a gut punch. But I remember seeing him at Dodger Stadium after the World Baseball Classic and just telling him, you know, how proud uh, I was that he took the Mexican baseball team as far as he did. And I think they are now a team of the future in that World Baseball Classic. So I'm really looking forward to see what he does in the future, and I hope he gets a chance to manage in Major League Baseball. I know there was talk that maybe the show pods, he was in the running for the show pods job. But Benjiville was, was great. And then last but not least, I, I want to end with the ambassador of the Bleedless podcast, uh, Mariachi Joe. We started off the year, Babyface and I, we saw Mariachi Joe at Justin Turner's golf tournament. And I remember somebody running up to Babyface and going, hey, dude, Joe Kelly's wearing your hat. We're like, what? He's like, he's wearing your Bleedlow's hat. And he came out and he gave us a biggest hug like we were homies. Like He's like, what's up, guys? And like took pictures with us. And he has been very, very good to us. Like he never, like he did that on his own. And I remember, remember uh, Babyface Vasse walked up to us and said, hey, Joe Kelly's wearing your guys' hat. And we're like, yeah, man, we, we didn't ask him to. I mean, he, he did it on his own. And when he got traded from the White Sox to the Dodgers. I was working that game and we were finishing up post-game interviews in the clubhouse. And I was walking out of the clubhouse. I'll never forget this because I think it, it cracks me up with what Joe Kelly is. He's coming out of the shower in just a towel and he sees me and he goes, what's up, man? And gives me a, a high five. And I turn around and I see Max Muncy looking going, who the fuck is this guy? And like Max Muncy's been on the show, right? But he clearly doesn't remember me. But the fact that Joe Kelly, you know, just, just really literally does not give a fuck. And like, was just like, what's up? You know, that, that, that was a great moment. I think it speaks to, I think what we're trying to accomplish with this show is a place where players can come on the show, express themselves, say what, show a side of them that helps sell the game. So um, those to me were, were, were the highlights, um, of the season. Um, do you guys want to look back any favorable moments of the Dodgers season? Real, real quick yeah. um, with Joe Kelly too, like he, um, well, he let me go to one of, uh, he did a, a book signing at a small, uh, nonprofit, like in Ontario towards the end of the year. And mm -hmm. I was able to go and kind of just film and, and just hang out there for a couple hours with them. And yeah, dude, dude is like the coolest, just. You know, his wife was there. We spoke to his wife. You know, we we recently seen how cool his wife is. She was really cool with me as well that day. So just, I mean, Joe Kelly, the things that he does, you know, obviously on the field, but off the field, you know, he's a great dude, right? And, you know, he got his own mural this year, right? I mean, yeah. and, and, and he's coming back, so that's going to be there. And, you know, so 
it's great to have Joe Kelly back, and you look forward to seeing him, you know, this season as well. Are they going to have to change the number? Oh, that's we're right. Gonna have, we're going to have to ask Jonas. That, that is a good question. Yes, but he says that. So I went backwards. I <laughs> I did my favorite memory and not my favorite moments of the podcast. So it's okay. I mean, if you got moments, <laughs> now's the time to share them. Well, no, it was awesome hearing all you guys talk about um, your favorite, but I think we all could agree that Fluffy was one of the most uh, engaging. I mean, Fluffy was so fun. What did we have? The time allotted to us was 15 minutes, and we ended up spending how much time with him? And he he showed us his wrestling collection, and I felt like that really... um, Oh, yeah. That was this year. Holy crap. Right? And and that's what I'm saying. It's like we've had some amazing guests, and then other guests, I know that we. Uh, I I was kind of intimidated, <clears throat> like I was looking forward to having Stan Caston on, especially because we had Stan on after Fred Rogan was on. Remember Fred Rogan's stance? No, they will not retire Fernando's number. Do you remember how hard? Yeah. Like, he took a hard line. <laughs> yeah. And then Stan, he didn't say they wouldn't, but he wasn't saying they would. So th- this was all leading up. This was the season, and Roger started with that, that this was the season that it was important to keep that campaign going, to get Fernando's number retired. And so it was pretty awesome to see it all happen so fast. Like a long, It just happened very quickly. The interview with Fernando right after the announcement, I mean, he really, it means so much that Fernando wanted to speak with us first. He spoke with us even before TV outlets. So no. coming from that, you know, forum, it's pretty special that Fernando gave us that. You know, I, I I'll always remember that and 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 that you know, Team Valenzuela till the end. But um, so yeah, Fluffy, obviously Joe Kelly because he's just such he's just such a cool guy. I mean, even if Joe Kelly was not a professional baseball player, we would want to hang out with Joe Kelly, right? Like, exactly. So cool. <laughs> Absolutely. And, um, do not take this any other way. And I'm looking at you, Juan, Mr. No- Mr. Novella. Um, oh, boy. I really enjoyed having James Outman on. And he has become <laughs> an ambassador to the show as well as Joe Kelly. Has he not, Roger? Like. Yes. And it was just because I, you know, I, I work a lot with young people and I love that he has shown when we had him on the podcast, Altman really did stand out to me. We've had other young players on. They're all awesome. They're all generous and, and eager and they, you know, they're all badasses. But there was something about Altman where I'm like, oh, this kid is going to like kill it. And he did. Right. Like the fever for Altman was was real right cody did did you feel like like he stepped up to the game right he stepped up to the plate i should say yeah so. I, I remember listening to that episode outman you know friend of the carne asada he wore the shirt you know we saw the hype video of him working out and it yeah. I, I think it helped you know he finished i believe i think third in rookie of the year voting this year and you know credit to the dodgers for riding him out for his ups and downs um, he ended up turning out a really good season, and there's only just you're only going up from here, you know. So, um, and he's definitely in the Dodgers' plans for next year. So, uh, I definitely agree with that one. And, and another young guy that we're going to miss is, is Ryan Pepio. Um, I remember I wanted to get him on. I saw him in Anaheim, kind of I think like the day before he got hurt in spring training, and I asked him to come on. He said, "Yeah, for sure. You just let me know." And then he got hurt. So then we were trying to get him on. From then until he came back, and then finally when he came, when right coming back, we had him on. And then again, when I saw him in the postseason, I mean, super cool. You know, he talked to you, just whatever you needed, he was there. And then uh, I got to message him after he got traded, and he did send a message, you know, he said he appreciated us, and, you know, thanks for all the support always. So we're going to miss that dude. And I'm not, I told him, you know what, I think I'm happy that he landed in a good spot for him in Tampa Bay. I think it's, they're really going to be able to develop him there. Especially young guys like him, you know, young pitchers like him, I think he's gonna—he's definitely in a good spot. Yeah. Um, Evan Phillips, 
wasn't he so surprising? I was surprised at how cool and how knowledgeable he was about like tacos. I mean, I was like, oh, he was really, he, he's so level. Evan Phillips was just my, one of my most surprising guests. What about you guys? Who, who, who were, or did you like the Evan Phillips interview? I thought it stood out. I, I was like, we should do more of, of helping these guys. I mean, we didn't even have to help them. We just gave them a platform. And I was like, dang, Evan Phillips is cool. Did I, am I exaggerating? <laughs> no, I mean, he was a very unassuming guy. He said it himself that I'm a very unassuming. I mean, literally <laughs> what I picture Evan Phillips doing is he's rolling a Starbucks and some hard new balances and like a polo yeah. and like Yankees. Um, and then unbeknownst to us, he can just throw 95. Um, <laughs> but like, but I mean, it, I, the LA taco one, I, I, I listened to that on a flight cause I had a really long flight this year and, and uh, I don't remember what it was, but I listened to it and that one was a, cause like, like you said, Juan, I think he thought that you were just going to talk Dodger talk yeah. and, and then out of nowhere, you're, you're, you know, kind of listing off all these taco spots. You're going back and forth about it. You asked him about the oppressor's tortilla, like it, it all, it all kind of, it all kind of worked out the way that it did. But another one that. That was kind of, and again, I wasn't here for it, but it was a good interview. It was Jimmy Humidlin. Yes. Uh, like you, you kind of got to see a, a little bit of what, you know, obviously that's the problem now with social media, right? Like everyone sees this persona and they think that's what it is. This is what it is. That's then that's it. But then you, you get down to the nitty gritty of it and you, you hear from a guy like him and they're like, Oh, okay. I didn't know that about you. I didn't know that about you. Like James Outman is another good example. Like a lot of people, you know, I think the first interview that we did with him, he was very nervous, right? Because he, he obviously is not accustomed to like doing the media. And then when we did kind of the subsequent one, he like you could tell he had opened up a little bit more and he, and he was a little more loose, but also he knew what we were about. Like, we're not trying to like, gotcha, right? We're not trying to, to, to bury you in any way. And, and I think that goes a long way, kind of like Juan said with what we're trying to do as a whole is, is that I will say though, I, did not expect this Dodgers team to win 100 games. I did not expect yeah. that. Uh, when when they won 100, I mean, granted, the exit was not the exit that we wanted. Alicia, we won't talk about that again because it was a sad, sad time. But uh, but I, for the life of me, like Dodgers wise, with the injuries, with the attrition, more injuries, like all that kind of you know put together, the fact that they were able to win 100 games. The fact that Freddie and Mookie had the seasons they had, the fact that Max Muncy did what he did, James Outman did what he did, like I, I am still just kind of shocked that they were able to win a hundred games. Granted, it's the playoffs suck. Like that, that was a kick in the head. That that is not. I mean, I guess the one solace in it is that the D backs, um, you know, made it to the World Series, but it still hurts. And and so that. That was a kick to the head, but the biggest kick to the head is we owe Heath Bell and Nick Ryder tacos, and I yeah. really about that. We we still owe them tacos. I, before I talk about the Dodgers, I do want to uh, circle back on a couple of the things that you said about Memo and and Jimmy. Uh, Memo Torres is the guy who made me rethink my strong dislike for the West Side of, of Los Angeles. For you yeah, loyal right. listeners, you guys, you guys know, forth, I, I have a West Coast, I mean, West L.A. nausea. Like once I start getting to, to, to West Hollywood, I am already like, uh, but Memo told me to stop being a freaking hater. And because of that, uh, you know, I've changed my opinion on on West L.A. The Jimmy Humilde, I got a really nice compliment for one of our listeners. Uh, he is el presidente de la comunidad de los guapos. He listened to that episode. Now, he had discovered our show when we had George Sedano on the show. And so when he discovered our show, he went and he listened to that Jimmy Humilde. And he sent me a message and he said, bro, I have never heard anyone talk about how proud they are from being from South L.A. And because El Presidente de la Comunidad de los Guapos is from South L.A. And that to me was kind of, it was very rewarding because it's like we're giving we're giving a, a microphone sort of for lack of a better word for people who, you know, who need to share their stories because there are people out there who maybe will resonate and sit there and go, oh, my gosh, that guy's like me. And it, it would hopefully turn inspiring. So I, I just wanted to comment on those two guys. Um, one of the things about the Dodgers season, because I am the Prince of Darkness, 
one of the things I did not see coming was what happened with Julio Urias. And all of you guys know on this show that we were big supporters of Julio Urias. And that episode was tough. It was tough to record once it, it, it happened. Uh, and I never, I did not see that coming. I really thought because this was his walk year that, you know, we were spending the majority of the time saying the Dodgers aren't going to re-sign him. The Dodgers aren't going to pay him. I never thought that his season would end the way it did. And I hope, but I mean, are we talking about the end of his career? Um, Canelo, did you have the Julio Urias situation on your bingo card? I did not have that on my bingo card. Um, It was shocking. I do remember when that episode uh, went out, kind of, I believe it was like our most popular episode, just because it was such big news. It happened at the exact wrong time that the Dodgers needed it to happen. You could say that probably was the start of the derailment of the rest of their season because, you know, Alonzo alluded to it. None of us expected them to win over 100, 100 games again. Um, even at the beginning of the season, we all picked them as like, yeah, this is like a 90 win dog fighting club. Yeah, we got the gritty Dodgers. Um, and then Julio Urias, you know, he was supposed to be a part of that that core. He is a homegrown player. Dodgers pretty much raised them all the way up from when they signed him to where he is now. And you could say his career is probably potentially over. Not many players come back from one domestic abuse allegation and suspension. If he gets another one, it's looking a little iffy there, but obviously they're still doing their investigation on that, so I won't say too much about it. But, yeah, it definitely was a huge blow for the Dodgers in their season as a whole. Uh, Babyface, I know when we recorded that episode, you were really, really angry. Now that we've had some distance from it, do you still have that anger? Yeah, I mean, it, like you said, it's unfortunate, right? I mean, because Julio was a guy that, I looked up to, right, and, like, this podcast looked up to, like, you know, when I looked back at, like, memorabilia that I had, I'm like, damn, I have a lot of Julio stuff, like, you know, that I've collected over here, because I thought this guy was special, like, from when he came, when he came up, going through, like, this guy, I'm like, this guy's going to be pretty special, right, and, and yeah, so that, that was, was, was troubling, right, and just, you know, to see his life, you know, take that wrong path, right, and, and, you know, you hope that the guy gets help, you know, and, He's able to live his life just, you know, regularly. I mean, like I said, we don't know if he's going to play again or, or what's going to happen, but that he gets back on the right path. But, but yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, with time has passed, you know, obviously none of that goes away, and we just got to move forward and see see what's going to happen next with him. Alonzo, we never got your reaction uh, on the Julio thing. Same question to you. Now that there's been some distance. Uh, from it do you still feel the same way yeah i mean i was i was incredibly disappointed because at the end of the day obviously the sport thing is important right but a lot of major league baseball players take the responsibility of being a role model to heart and you know he he was definitely kind of a, a success story if you will for little brown kids from mexico you know i mean that's a I mean, he came, he came from nothing, right? I mean, the, the kind of the, the weird parallel, as we've talked about him, is, is Valenzuela. You know, he came from, you know, kind of nothing, made himself, you know, developed himself. And he, and he granted, had a lot of adversity, you know, the eye thing. You know, he, he had those sorts of things that definitely, you know, were in his favor. And, and I was really hopeful that after the first go around with it, because we also have to remember he's a kid. Right. You're giving a kid a bunch of money. You're giving a kid a bunch of limelight. You're giving a kid, you know, all sorts of these things that at the end of the day are really negative in some people's eyes because then they think they're untouchable. I'm not saying that's what happened with Julio, but we've seen that time and time again. And I feel like Julio didn't, you know, obviously when the first thing happened, that was uh, nothing to, to look past. You know, everyone was hopeful that he'd, like you said, he'd get some help you know, not put himself in that sort of a position. And sure enough, you know, fast forward a year-ish, I think it was, um, you know, that situation happens and, it, you know, there's rumors that it's on video and that's even worse. And, I mean, unfortunately, I think for him, I think his major league career is done. Um, you know, I mean, we are a society of second chances. So I do hope that if he is able to kind of get his help, you know, get some help and and kind of write, you know, write the the ship, 
that he gets another opportunity, whether it's in Mexico, whether it's in Japan, whether wherever, you know, to, to potentially resurrect his career. I, I wouldn't want nothing more but for him to be successful. I mean, you, we all make mistakes in this life, right? doesn't matter how big or how small. And, and I believe that we are all entitled to right that wrong and to go out and, and have that second chance. And I do hope for Julio that he is able to have that. But it's, I mean, it's, that's a tough one because at the end of the day, it's not just letting yourself down. You let your team down, you know, you let, you let a, a city down, you let a community down, you know, that that's a big, you know, unfortunately it's a big burden to kind of take. And I know some people are going to be like, Oh, well that's virtue signaling. It's like at the end of the day, that's what it is, man. Like whether we like it or not, everyone wanted him to be the next Mexican superstar. And he was on that trajectory and it was really unfortunate. And I mean, obviously I don't know all of the details. I just know what we all know. Um, but it, you know, I did not have that in my bingo card. And to Cody's point, definitely was kind of the beginning of of the the shambles rotation, if you will. That ended up, you know, and obviously there was other things. You know, the the Noah Syndergaard thing didn't help anything, right? There was injuries didn't help anything, but that was for sure, in my opinion, what I thought was the dagger. And thankfully, the Dodgers were able to kind of, you know, kind of re re uh, regroup, if you will, and and you know make something happen, but. Man, that was tough because at the end of the day, you know, I, we've talked a lot about it, right? We, we've had kind of the pipe dream of having him on the show, you know, because he's a very reclusive guy. He's a very, you know, kind of like Fernando, doesn't like to be the, you know, the center of attention, doesn't like to be any of that stuff. He's very humble. He's very soft-spoken. And, um, you know, and, I, and we were all rooting for him, and then that happens, and it's just it's kind of tough to come back from that, you know? And, and Juan, you were there, too, on the day that, that Dodgers came back and they asked Dave Roberts. Well, actually, you asked Dave Roberts about how the clubhouse was. Yeah, uh, the LA Times picked on that, uh, but whatever. I'm over it. Uh, yeah, it, it's I mean, not it about was, you, bro. It's not about yeah, you. Bro. Exactly. Uh, but I do remember the shock r- reporting when his locker was not there when they took out his locker, or when they took uh, the, started taking the murals down. I mean, they essentially oh, yeah. stripped them from Dodgers Dodger Stadium. Exactly. Uh, but it says, I know you don't like talking about this subject, but I think it's it's been rough because Dodger fans are still coming off of the Trevor Bauer thing. And then to have the Julio thing happen, it was just like, I know there's a lot of Dodger fans who are just like, man, don't make me think about the real world. Can we just focus on baseball? I don't want to have to make moral judgments on on a team that I watch. Do you want to add anything or are you still like, I don't want to talk about it? Um, I will say this. I had people uh, messaging me, DMing me, Dodger fans that don't care. They wanted to win so bad and they were so hurt that this happened, that they just lived in an alternate reality where they were, no, 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 he's going to come back. Watch, this is going to go away. And I'm like, no, it isn't. And, then you saw the murals go down, but they, I will say this from their comments, I did have to pull back and re- remember that it's still a business. It's still about making money. And I'm not in any way saying um, that Urias will be a Dodger. I don't, that's not going to happen. But if there's a way for him to come back and win for another team, I totally see that happening. Because I say this all the time, greed is a hell of a drug. And they there's going to be some way, somehow that they can. I don't think he's done playing baseball, Julio. I, I think he will come back. Now, Major League Baseball, I'm not going to be surprised if he does or doesn't. Because we've seen this from the beginning of, you know, it's a lot. Of, there's a lot of money to be made. And. He won't come back to the LA market. That's not going to happen. But I really will not be surprised if we see Julio in another jersey, another team's jersey someday. I mean, you know, it's interesting that you you bring that up because they're still in an investigation. So Major League Baseball still hasn't even made a decision on this. But let's say they do end up busting busting him. He will be the only guy in Major League Baseball that's been busted on this policy twice. And because of that, I'm very uh, interested to see what happens because then you're going to have the likes of Trevor Bauer saying, wait, you're going to let this guy back into baseball, but you won't let me in? 
Uh, so it, that was just one of those things. I think you guys are all right. Whether we recognized it in the moment, it really was the beginning. And I, I do remember people asking the question out loud, like, is this going to derail the Dodgers season? And in the end, the pitching, no matter the promise that she and Emmett, she, I mean, let, let's go back. This is the year we discovered Bobby Miller. This yeah. is the year, you know, Emmett Sheehan showed so much promise that the Dodgers now, I don't want to say they're an untouchable, correct me if I'm wrong, Canelo, but when people ask Emmett Sheehan, the Dodgers don't want to include him in, in any deals. So while the ending of the season was, was a gut punch, uh, there definitely were positives in the season, but let oh. me ask you, go ahead. Princess. Since we're on the negative right now, and I don't want to <laughs> go negative later, <laughs> all of this, this turmoil, all of these obstacles, all of this, you know, um, adversity, how is Dave Roberts not manager of the year? Again, with that's the, the travesty. That's the travesty. If we're talking about negatives for the year. How That's is he not top three manager of the year? I don't get that for the the voting. Well, Babyface, I know you were upset. About, uh, there we go. We haven't had a hat toss in a while. Babyface, I know you were upset that Dave Roberts wasn't in the at least the top three. Yeah, I mean, just for what you guys mentioned, I mean, the everything they had to go through this year, right? The the injuries, right? The Julio thing. You still had the Bauer still hanging over the team. I mean, just all that, and then to be able to put out a team out there that goes out there and wins a hundred games when they weren't expected to win, when everybody at the end of last season, like, Oh, they're not doing anything. They didn't do anything. Right. They're planning on the season. Right. They'll be lucky if they even get in the wild card and, you know, to do what they did through all that. Yeah. I think you definitely have the travesty that he should have been. I, I thought he should have won, but you know, definitely top three. Canelo did the Dodgers. Dodgers, <laughs> Dodgers versus everybody. I'm going to make my own shirt. Like bring it. Bring it. I'm so sick of the hate. I'm so sick of it. That, that's the thing I'm looking forward to in 2024 is Alicia's villain arc. I'm so <laughs> stoked. She's she's definitely I'm feeling a heel turn. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's go into 2024. Uh, Canelo, did the Dodgers need to get buried in 2023 in order to to react? I mean, this offseason, I don't think could have gone any better. Like, I made fun of Verducci when he went on MLB Network and said the Dodgers' dream scenario and listed they get this, they get this, and, and I'm just like, bro, come on. that that's not, The only thing that's missing so far is Las Botas de Poder, Randy Rice Arena, and I, I don't think that's going to happen, but everything went right for the Dodgers. So in order, we had to experience the pain of just being embarrassed like that in 2023 so the Dodgers – could go scorched earth in the off season or were they going to go scorched earth anyways? I think it really just depends how you look at it, I guess. Um, because I feel like at the beginning of the season, no one expected the Dodgers. That they were even picking them to barely make the playoffs in general. Then things change when you win a hundred games, you win your division again. Now it's like, oh, well, we always expected the Dodgers to be here. They were always expected to win the World Series. They didn't, so they choked. Obviously, now that changes the way the front office looks at it, I guess, kind of. I still originally think the plan was always, once Otani reaches free agency, we are going all in because I think it was a like five- to six-year plan that they've been building for letting certain players walk, certain fan favorite players walk, like Corey Seager, Cody Bellinger, Trey Turner, you know, letting all those guys go to different ball clubs because in 2020, at the end of 2023, you were looking to get arguably the most popular and profitable free agent in Major League Baseball history. And then they did. They got it. They blew me away pretty much this entire offseason, especially with the figures that they've been throwing at some of these free agents. Um but yeah, I do think they were pressured after getting not only eliminated in the first round, but swept by the Arizona Diamondbacks, who won 84 games and went all the way to the World Series. So it is embarrassing. And I've explained that no matter where I go to talk baseball, whether it's here, uh, whether it's in my writing, like it is an embarrassing situation that the Dodgers were put in to lose to the San Diego Padres in 2022 after winning 
uh, what was it, 111 games and then getting swept by another division rival in the Diamondbacks, I think there was a little bit pressure on the ownership and the front office and Andrew Freeman and Dave Roberts again, even though he did a terrific job this year. There is always the pressure of World Series or bust attitude in Los Angeles, especially with the Dodgers. There's just no way of getting around it. Um, in terms of how they've went with the offseason, I don't think you can complain. They could stop doing their their wheeling and dealing right now, and they have a they have a roster right now that is on par with that 2022 roster where you could see them realistically winning around 105 to 10 games on a given day. But it all is about October success, and that's how this team will be judged. So even when we go back from how we're talking about and reflecting of the season now, when we get to January or when we get to February, March, and we start making our predictions, kind of seeing where the roster is going. And then even when we get all the way to September, when the Dodgers are hopefully winning the division and we're going, going to say, Hey, how's October looking? It is October or bust for this team. And that's just how it is in Los Angeles sports. Alonzo, I am concerned that the expectations for this team are just going to be so unrealistic. Uh, and if they don't, like, I can't even imagine what it's going to look like if they don't even get out of the division playoffs. And that's even assuming they they make the playoffs because a lot of things can go wrong. There could be a lot of health issues. I mean, we already are hearing it. Walker Bueller's not going to start the year. How healthy is Otani going to? Is he going to be fully recovered? I know a lot of people feel like it's not going to impact his hitting because the injury is on the other arm. Um, but I still think there are things that could go wrong. Tell me to just shut up and just enjoy it because I am very excited about this upcoming season because, yeah, I've seen all the memes. Everybody's referring to the Dodgers as the Monstars. You know, they they are supposed to go in there and just demolish everybody. I mean, first of all, let's just preface that you're a Raider fan. So you already go into you can't hit me. You can't hurt me, dude. Can't hurt you can't you. hurt me. I'm a Raiders fan. So take that into account as you as you go into the 2024 Los Angeles Dodgers season. I mean, listen, man, it, everyone kind of talked trash in the NBA for a long time about the, the super teams like the Warriors put together, yeah. the Heatles, like those things. In basketball, it's a shorter season. There's there's obviously not as many outliers that can happen because even with load management, you can still blow teams out, right? Especially when there's depth on those teams. Baseball is a whole different story, man. It's just like a round of golf. Like you may be feeling good the first couple, you know, tees, and then you get to the back nine and you're like, what the hell happened? This is not what I was expecting my my round to be after I just, you know, hit par on the front nine. And so I think ultimately what this season's going to be about, I, I don't think they're going to demolish everybody. Like I think, like expectations wise, I think, like the, the team I'm kind of comparing this to is like 2017. 2017 might have been the best team that we've seen in this generation of Dodgers baseball. Granted, there's the asterisk, literally and figuratively, that uh that kind of proceeded with all that. But I mean that was a really good team, right? Mm-hmm. And if this team can fire on all cylinders, even with the questions they have, this might be an all-timer. And what I mean by that is I think we may see kind of the reinvigoration of, of Dodger baseball because we talked about it. The philosophy after this postseason had to be changed. And the philosophy that I currently see that Friedman and ownership have taken is scorched earth. Mm-hmm. Like, like I said, y'all in that group text yesterday, fuck the Giants, fuck the Celtics. Like that's basically what this this team is doing right now, and they don't care about the you know the ramifications of it. They don't care about the 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 pressure. I don't even think they care about the target. If I'm completely honest, because no matter what, wherever Shohei was going to end up, it was going to be a destination. Whether it was L.A., whether it was New York, whether and then it would have been franchise changing for like a Toronto for the Mets. Even you could you could argue, and so. Like Cody said, there was the fact that they've been able to kind of check off every box that they've expected this season is something I didn't expect, if I'm completely honest with you. And even then, they're still not done, right? And and they they understand now that what it is is, is it's time to win. Like they they've said it out loud. Hey, in our time that we've owned this team, one championship has been a failure. So for them to kind of come out and say that, that's telling us that they heard 
the fan base, they heard kind of our little show that said, hey, you need to change the philosophy. And they've just gone scorched earth. And I'm excited to kind of see what the Shohei effect is going to be, because I'm just going to tell you right now, I don't think we're ready for what that's going to be. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think of like I made it in our live the, the comparison when David Beckham came to the United States, I don't even think MLS knew what to expect. And that changed kind of the dynamic of everything. I think we're in that same kind of spectrum, but just on a bigger scale, because you have the two best Japanese players on the planet on the same team. I, I saw this stat like during the WBC that like 49% of the country watched those Japanese games when they, when they were in the WBC and all was because of Shohei and Yamamoto. Now those two guys are all with the Dodgers. So, so I think, like I said, that's the one thing I'm the most excited for. We're about to see some shit that we did. Like we thought we knew and like, holy shit, like, like, like they're going to be good, man. Like this, like, I don't care what anybody says, even with their, the the holes that they have, this team is still going to be really good. The lineup is still really good. The pitching is really good. Even the bullpen is still really good. They just need to go fill a couple holes. Whereas like the Yankees, just as an example, they had so many other holes to fill that there's no way it'd be like the same scorched earth. But I'm so excited to just see them because I don't think we've really ever seen a baseball team go scorched earth either. Yeah. Like like the Yankees in the 90s and the early 2000s, they were really good, but they weren't blowing everyone out of the park. This team could do that if you really think about it. Princesa, you're chomping at the bit. Come in here. Well, no, I just want to support what Alonso was saying with some stuff I've been hearing. I just, I drive a lot around Southern California and I listen to a lot of sports radio and I listen to a lot of national sports radio and the Dodgers being the villains. I expected that, but even, even, you know, sports heads that talk about baseball, even though they start off sounding like they're supporting the Dodgers and they are too excited about Otani and Yamamoto, they still put this pressure on there. I heard five to, to, Five World Series champions. The Dodgers need to win five World Series. Five. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Easy. Easy. And that's on a local station, I heard the number five. And then on a national, I didn't hear five, but I heard multiple. They need to win multiple. One's not enough. Even if they win right away, what the Dodgers are doing is they, they need to win multiple for this to balance out. And I'm like, that's fine. But on a local sports station here in Los Angeles, oh, they got to win five minimum. Five minimum for this to to be worth the amount of money that they've spent on these players. And I just thought to myself, good Lord. <laughs> Can I ask a question to the room? Yes. I'm just curious about this because I thought about this while I've been sick. Is baseball back? Yes. It sure seems like it. It's yeah. better. <laughs> the reason Nothing's I ask is- Nothing's ever going to beat the NFL. And Alonzo, you should know that just because, you know, the NFL benefits for just playing once a week, every Sunday, and occasionally get those games on Thursdays, Mondays, Saturdays, whatever. Um, College football is also extremely popular in the United States. Um, Basketball, I feel, has it took a really sharp rise, but I feel like they're kind of plateauing now just because a lot of people are losing kind of interest in the changes that they've implemented. But the changes that baseball has implemented, you know, we were all optim- like cautiously optimistic about the rule changes this year. And I kind of explained on, on the Diamond Club saying, you know, these rule changes, W's across the board for Rob Manfred in terms of the money they're making, the viewership they're getting, the time of game. I mean, that's probably the biggest thing. When I talk to people that don't watch baseball, I say, well, why don't you watch it? It's not because, oh, it's boring or, oh, like, I don't like baseball. It's, it's just too long. And the fact that they were able to shorten the game, their next season, we can probably talk about this in the future. They're shortening it a little bit more. Um, if that's part of their MO, um, they see it as a way to get more people into the game. I still think they still have an issue with marketing some players, but now their biggest marketing like tool is Otani. And yeah. you could say he's arguably on the most popular team of the past 10 years. Uh, the Dodgers, they are, I will say that they are the most popular baseball team in the world right now. I have them over the Yankees. I have them over these other teams that are in the league. 
is the Dodgers. And that's just because of the series of winning, whether you're hating the Dodgers, whether you love the Dodgers, you're still talking about the Dodgers. You don't really see that about these other New York teams. Still baseball's kind of revolving in LA right now and adding Otani and Yamamoto, which, you know, Alonzo, you brought this up. Has there ever been a, a team that's ever put two of the best Japanese players on like at once? Usually these guys kind of gravitate not wanting to play with each other. They go from one team will go, ah, I'm going to go play with the Yankees. Oh, I'll go play with the Dodgers. I'll go play here. I'll go play with the Red Sox. But to put them together, you are pretty much monopolizing the entire country of Japan to watch your team. And you could say that's probably the Dodgers plan. They were probably looking to control that market. Um, and if they did that, the viewership for baseball in terms of international is just going to go up exponentially, not only in, in the Western parts of the the world, you know, it's going to go, it's going to go up. The Dodgers are really going to uh, grow in popularity. And so is the sport. Well, let's be honest too. The, the Yamamoto Shohei Otani signings, they're great baseball signings, but they are business decisions. Those mm-hmm. are business decisions. And that's why, to me, it's still crazy to me that the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim didn't match whatever Otani wanted because he's going to pay for himself. And, I mean, and that for me, it, just the short-sightedness of that is crazy. But that's why I also think this is good for baseball because you had five franchises that were in on two of the most expensive baseball players ever. And so and the Dodgers, that's why I think that. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, the Dodgers are definitely taking advantage of this. I mean, if you notice those – Press conferences, what time were they? They're at 3 o'clock. Usually they're like in L.A. They do a press like 11, 12. That's like 8 in the morning in Japan. 8 in the morning in Japan. So Dodgers baseball is going to be noontime baseball in Japan when they're at home, right? Yeah. So they're they're definitely going to – they're trying to take over, be the team of Japan. I, I remember I mentioned this. I don't know if we did this on or off air. It was a months back. I told you guys, Dodgers are the most popular team in Japan at that time. And you guys were telling me, no, they're not. They're, they're, they're not the most popular team in Japan. You would think it's more – Maybe the Angels because they have Shohei, right? But I was more referring to because of the history like, that they've had with Japan, right? The Kentas, the Hideo Nomos, right? All those guys. That's why I kind of figure, like, if there's a team in Japan that these guys are growing up with, it's the Dodgers. And now it's definitely going to be the Dodgers for the next, you know, 10 years and probably beyond. All right. Let's let's end the show this way. What We manifested Valenzuela last year, and I didn't think it was going to happen. What do you guys want to manifest for next year? And look, you can be as crazy as you want because, like I said, I didn't think the Valenzuela interview was going to happen. Um, I mean, obviously, the Japanese Greek god himself, Shohei Otani. Um, but I want him to speak Spanish. Like I, I would love for him to just show up here. Like that, like that would rip. Um, and then two would be Yoshinobu Yamamoto, like, talking in full English with us. I don't think that'll happen, but like just having a full, just a conversation, just, Hey man, what do you think of the taco community here? Where are you getting your dickies? Like things like that. <laughs> I, I'm so for that. Princesa. I'm joining that. I want that manifestation. It's the same. Let's, let's do that. Let's whisper it and put it on YouTube. Alonso. Let's manifest. We have Otani and Yamamoto on our podcast. And maybe we do, um, you know, we joke about having field trips, but maybe we go have tacos with Yamamoto, right? I sharply, about that. Yeah. sharply dressed. I'm I'm down with it. You know, I, I clean up. Let's do it. And um, but I mean, I I want to start with I think is obvious, but it has to be said. I want a World Series win. Absolutely, let's get this World Series win. I want four. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa, whoa, whoa. Not, not, I'm not saying four years. I'm saying four wins in, in, in one World Series. Four wins in one. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm down bro with almost, that. Bro almost brought the room down like his name was Juan Ramirez. <laughs> no. Uh, Canelo, what is your outlandish manifestation? Well, in terms of the channel, um, I would definitely say for us to continue growing. Um, we just hit 1,000 subscribers not that long ago. Um, it would be, being a realist, man. It would be extremely <laughs> great. Fucking uh, guy making almost, all of us look dumb. I know. <laughs> it would be great to get 
at least maybe 1500 or maybe even 2000 if you want to continue reach you know we don't know what the otani effect is going to be when we're covering this team all year we've already seen a lot of fans come from different places around the world starting to watch this this podcast um so that would be great in terms of interviewer on this podcast uh we need to get bobby miller on i'm a huge fan uh, I thought me and him hit it off in D.C. I kind of made his head feel big when I was talking about his stats. So you guys get him on. I'm getting in there. Uh, I'm definitely talking to him when, when it, wherever he's on that East Coast road trip. Um, but in terms of just Dodgers themselves in 2024, I won't say they need to win the World Series, but anything other than getting to the World Series is a failure. If they if they get past the NLDS and losing the NLCS, failure. They have to get to the World Series this year. Um, and then 2025, then you're saying, all right, everything is like according to plan. Like we got Otani, hopefully back in the rotation, Yamamoto, Glass now, don't know what other signings they'll have. The offense will be pretty much the same, but 2024 is usually is pretty much like at least get the NL pennant and, and then I'll be okay. But we already talked about it, in the, it, it on the show. I realistically, I think they only need to get one World Series in this next 10 years. Call me a hater. I, I don't know. Or call me. I'm just being realistic. Just get I one. I think two. I think two. I'm the same, Cody. Let's let's get one before you start rambling off numbers like five. You know. Yeah, I think I think two. I think two is the 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 realistic expectation. But it's so hard to win a world. It's hard to win. If a- they swing a trade for like what we talked about for like a closer, or they sign hater, or they get a really big impact bat, say a Luis Robert or a Randy or Rosarena or someone like that. It'll be two. They would need to get two. Uh, Babyface, is the World Series your manifestation? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to get, I know we probably won't get Otani on this show as a guest, but maybe in the clubhouse we can find out like what his favorite taco is. If you've ever even had a taco, I don't know. I don't know if you ever went to a taco place, but to find that out, you know, Hey, what's, what's your taco of choice? I think that'd be a, a cool get. Are you? They have tacos in Orange County. Where did Colby eat? Come on. He was in the witness protection program. <laughs> You're insulting Santa Ana hey. right now. <laughs> Shout out to Tacos Los Cholos because they're hey. the ones that won LA Tacos uh, Taco Fest and they're out of Anaheim. Well, I'm and saying that, I don't know if Otani ever, I don't those know if you ever went to a taco place though, right? That's what there I want to find. Food and something. Well, I mean, that's my manifestation is Otani that big. he could probably slam some tacos. He's big. Honey, what if he comes back with like I am a vegetarian and I don't eat meat? Damn. That's okay. We can get some veggie tacos. I mean, my manifestation is we go and we get tacos with Otani and yeah. we conduct the interview in Spanish. I yeah. love Speaking of Kobe, you, you mentioned Kobe. One of the, I guess, one of the like highlights for me or a story that I heard that was this year, like, like, wow, that's really cool, right? When and you know, this is why the Dodgers wanted Shohei for such the longest because they had that Kobe story, that Kobe video in their back pocket, right from 2017 of, of Kobe telling, "Hey, Shohei, come play in LA. It's the biggest place. It's the best place to play." And they held on to that for 2017. Obviously, we know with the tragic passing of Kobe, right? Just how special now that video is to, you know, and to show Shohei. It's like, you're Shohei and you're seeing this video of Kobe Bryant. It's like, it's incredible. Absolutely. Uh, well, that's going to do it for our Juan, can I rescind one thing? Sure. Uh, so, obviously, I said what I said, but I also would like the entire top order of the lineup on the show. So, Mookie, Federico, Shohei, Max, who's been on the show before, but and, and Willie Smith. I would like them to to, to join the show. Because I think it's going to be, I mean, I, I could be wrong, but I think it might be easier to get the Mookies and the, and the Freddies of the world over the Shoei's. Am I wrong? Well, uh, don't estimate the power of the carne asada, Alonso, okay? We got Fernando when none yeah. of us thought we would. <laughs> and That's let's true. pick up a lot of our bidlos of viewers and, and followers and get Austin Barnes on here. That <laughs> <laughs> I like I like that. That's what made one laugh. <laughs> uh, look, I, I, that's one thing I do want to, before we end, that is one thing I want to mention, and that is our live shows and our growing community of Los Sangrones. We have loyal listeners on this show, and we see the regulars, the, 
the Michael Carrillos, the sports empires, the Simeons, the the, the people that are like, Phil, the, you know, the ghost of Al Davis. I They're mean, haters they, too, eh? They're, they they yeah. are habitual line steppers. They, they want us to do more shows. So I, I love that. And I love, Secretly, you know, and I don't know, Canelo, I, I want to get your, your opinion on this. The fact that we've become the villains of the Dodger podcasting world uh, intrigues me um, because I feel like once the Sangrones find that out, it, it's going to be on. Am, am I wrong there, Canelo? Yeah, I don't know. Like I've said, they're listening. Your view counts, but you just got to listen to our opinions. And that's what's good about this show is that. We allow everybody to speak. Like, look, we got five people in here right now. Everybody kind of has some opinions the same. Some of them are different. But like I said, you're still giving us the view. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. I can't. I can't. This, just hearing us talk about what we want and what we're manifesting. I do want to um, thank you, gentlemen, for including the ladies this year, right? Thank you for allowing me to be part of this growing. It's just going to get better and better. I can feel it. I'm very excited for what the future, what the future holds for the Bleed Lows. But big shout outs and lots of love to Amy, to uh, to the women we've had as guests. Um, Jessica Mendoza, she's so fun. Um, Jeannie Buss, you know, she's a homegirl. She is L.A. herself. So more women. I want to help get more women to listen to this podcast and see how much fun it is and how you guys aren't so bad. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. We got that going for us, which is nice. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> so that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, once again, a friendly reminder to you guys. We were nominated, as Babyface had mentioned at the beginning of the show, for Best Baseball Podcast in America. Uh, there is a link where you can vote and they fixed it. So you can vote over the phone. So it's super easy. Make sure you follow us on Instagram or on X and just click on the vote and vote for us and spread the word. Um, because I would love to see the look on that. Maybe that's the manifestation is us actually winning the award because I would love to see the look on everyone's face. If they see that the bleed Lose podcast won best baseball podcast in, in America. Uh, you are see those who Juan Ramirez, the part of mis colegas, la princesa de Picolandia, Alicia Del Valle, Alonso, Cody Snavely, Canelo, and Babyface. Nos vemos para la próxima. This episode of the Bleed Lows podcast has been brought to you by betonline.ag, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.